Are Google ads now deceptive? Why advertisers should be concerned. Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're going to talk about a bit of an unusual story here in the world of Google and digital advertising. If you followed virtual legality in the past, you know we've often talked about the age of the influencer and the disclosures that are necessary for folks that are online, whether on social media or elsewhere, to disclose the fact that they have received a free product or received direct funding for what it is that they are about to say online. Part and parcel to that conversation is the notion that when you go and actually buy an advertisement from a formal advertising agency, or in this case, a search engine like Google and Google Search, then they too have to make specific disclosures about the fact that this is a paid placement, this is paid advertising, and as it turns out, Google has made a shift in the way that they actually show their advertised content on their search engine that I think warrants discussion. So let's take a look at that without further ado. We've got an article here from The Verge that actually dives into this a little bit more, and it's called Google's ads just look like search results now. And this is from today, earlier this morning. And as you can see here, they've got a copy of what a Google search looks like. You can check this out for yourself right now by going to google.com, typing in whatever you like. And you see that what has happened is that they've changed their formatting to have at the front end of the ad hyperlinks, the word ad in a small black type, the link to the site directly, and then the advertisement in a fashion that now looks like the exact formatting for what they have done with the rest of their search results. So the fourth item here that you can see has a little icon for the actual brand, for the organic result, next to the link that'll take you to that website in a format that looks very, very similar to exactly how the ads look. So let's see what The Verge describes this as, because I do think this is of potential concern, not just to Google, but also to those that advertise with Google, as we will get to at the end of this video, because the advertisers themselves have an obligation to try to prevent deception, uh, that that's what the Federal Trade Commission tries to prevent under the ambit of law that has been given to them. And so we're now getting into an area where maybe not just Google, but also advertisers have to take this into account. So let's read the article. Last week, Google began rolling out a new look for its search results on desktop, which blurs the line between organic search results and the ads that sit above them. In what appears to be something of a purposeful dark pattern, the only thing differentiating ads and search results is a small black and white ad icon next to the former. It's been formatted to resemble the new favicons that now appear next to the search results you care about, the little icons we just talked about. Early data collected by Digiday suggests that the changes may already be causing people to click on more ads, right? Accidentally. Presumably, these people don't intend to click on the ads more than the organic search results, but because it no longer is highlighted, and we'll get to the showing of that uh, at the end of this uh, article, that because it's no longer highlighted, the presumption is, is that more people will click on the ads essentially by accident, uh, even when they were looking for an organic search result. Uh, and that really, honestly, is a part of the definition of deception, right? To the extent people intended to click on organic search results and accidentally collect, clicked on an ad, then one would think that that's a pattern of deception that will come up when we talk about how the Federal Trade Communications Act and the Federal Trade Commission uh, winds up talking about these things. Uh, continuing on with this article, it says, The Guardian's Alex Hearn is one of many commenters to point out the problem, noting that there's now next to no visual distinction between ads and search results. 
There is still technically labeling. It says ad right there, but it's hard to escape the conclusion that it is supposed to be difficult to spot at a glance where the adverts end. And this person has another kind of sampling of it. And I tend to agree that these wind up looking a lot like the organic search results in a fashion that is probably designed to encourage more clicks. Google makes more money by getting those clicks on its ads and presumably can then market its advertising services even better to prospective advertisers by the fact that it has more clicks on the ads. So Google is at some level encouraged to be at least slightly deceptive on these kinds of things. And in my opinion, this looks like they might have gone too far. The Verge continues with, it's especially striking, especially striking, considering how distinct Google designed its ads in the past. Up until 2013, the search engine gave its ads an entirely different background color to distinguish them from its organic search results. But even after that, it continued to use unique colors that effectively let users quickly see where its ads ended and organic results began. So I want to leave the rest of the article for you to check out. It's going to be in the description to this video. But I think they bring up a good point. And there's often a lot of, uh, you know, outrage and conflict on the internet for things that maybe I don't think rise to the level of being concerned about. But I looked at this as someone that owns a law firm that talks about that law firm online that pays for ads on services like Google and said, hmm, this is something that actually I think I need to be cognizant of. And I want to talk to you a little bit more about why. So I pulled up a Federal Trade Commission document here that is called .com Disclosures. And this was buried somewhat on their website, but you can find it and it'll certainly be linked in the description to this video. But it's about how to make sure that your advertising on your website or just online in general complies with the Federal Trade Commission's requirements uh, and the requirements of the act. Uh, So we're not going to go deep into this. This is actually like a 55-page document, but I did want to read the overview because I think it presents the issue. Some people might say, okay, there are differences online than in physical advertising. That's absolutely true. But on a kind of broad strokes basis, the Federal Trade Commission has said online advertising is going to be treated the same. In particular, it's going to be treated to avoid deception. So as we read their overview, you know, keep in mind deception is really what we are focused on here. Is what is going on a Google search now deceptive if it was bought and paid for by an advertiser? In the online marketplace, consumers can transact business without the constraints of time or distance. One can log on to the internet day or night and purchase almost anything one desires. And advances in mobile technology allow advertisers to reach consumers nearly anywhere they go. But cyberspace is not without boundaries. I love cyberspace as a term. And deception is unlawful no matter what the medium. The FTC has enforced and will continue enforcing its consumer protection laws to ensure that products and services are described truthfully online and that consumers understand what they are paying for. These activities benefit consumers as well as sellers who expect and deserve the opportunity to compete in a marketplace free of deception and unfair practices. The general principles of advertising law apply online, but new issues arise almost as fast as technology develops. Most recently, new issues have arisen concerning space-constrained screens and social media platforms. This FTC staff guidance document describes the information businesses should consider as they develop ads for online media to ensure that they comply with the law. And then they've got this whole list of things. And again, we're not going to talk about every word here. But basically, number one is, hey, you're still required to comply with consumer protection laws. You can't lie. You can't do anything that you might consider as lying if it were in a physical medium online. 
When practical, advertisers should incorporate relevant limitations and qualifying information into their underlying claim. You know, they understand, the Federal Trade Commission does, that there are space limitations, but you should endeavor to put material disclosures in your advertisements when possible. This is more about the subject matter of the ad than how the ad is actually presented online. But here we get to kind of the nut of the issue. Required disclosures must be clear and conspicuous. In evaluating whether a disclosure is likely to be clear and conspicuous, advertisers should consider its placement in the ad and its proximity to the relevant claim. The closer the disclosure is to the claim to which it relates, the better. Additional considerations include the prominence of the disclosure, whether it is unavoidable, whether other parts of the ad distract attention from the disclosure, whether the disclosure needs to be repeated at different places on the website, whether disclosures in audio messages are presented in an adequate volume and cadence, whether visual disclosures appear for a sufficient duration, and whether the language of the disclosure is understandable to the intended audience. So right now, the only disclosure that is going on a Google search ad, there's no background change, there's no formatting change, is the word ad in the exact same placement as every single other organic search that will have a now a little icon next to it. So it all kind of blends together in the eye that there's this little icon next to the next to the link. And probably my guess is this is all obviously opinion, uh, but my guess is, is that it's designed so that your eye kind of just glazes over all of those icons in a fashion that doesn't have you distinguishing, uh, at least not directly between the word ad and potentially a little a that sits next to the hyperlink that has been returned organically. It says to make a disclosure clear and conspicuous, it should be close to the triggering claim. It should take it into account the various devices that it might appear on. When space constrained, you will have to put the disclosure into the ad whenever possible. Uh, when using a hyperlink to lead to a disclosure, you have to make the hyperlink obvious and have it direct exactly to the disclosure that you want people to see. Uh, people that are advertising have to keep abreast of research on these things, etc., etc. And then we get to number five. If a disclosure is necessary, to prevent an advertisement from being deceptive, unfair, or otherwise violative of a commission rule, and it is not possible to make the disclosure clearly and conspicuously, then that ad should not be disseminated. Okay? So if you're following along, if you can't, for whatever reason, technical limitation or otherwise, comply with the clear and conspicuous requirement that the FTC puts on saying something is an ad, then... If a particular platform does not provide an opportunity to make clear and conspicuous disclosures, then that platform should not be used to disseminate advertisements that require disclosures. Now you say, Rick, okay, I understand. If something is required to be disclosed and Google doesn't allow me to disclose it, I shouldn't be allowed to use Google. The Federal Trade Commission says, hey, it's not our fault that that tech giant isn't doing things properly. You should not use that for your ads if ad is required to be disclosed. So I think the follow-up question is, Rick, you've kind of assumed while we talk about this that clearly disclosing that something is a paid search result, that is an ad on Google search, is something that needs to be disclosed. But is it in fact the case? To which I turn to the year 2002, when the Federal Trade Commission actually put out a guidance letter that said the following. And we're going to skip to the end here because the conclusion summarizes what this whole letter says. But again, like everything else, it will be linked in the description to this video. In short, the staff is recommending that all search engine companies review their websites and make any changes necessary to ensure that any paid ranking search results are distinguished from non-paid results with clear and conspicuous disclosures. 
So that is the silver bullet, right? When we talk about what are required disclosures, it is required by the Federal Trade Commission for Google search to disclose that something is an ad. We expect that. It's kind of intuitive. But I did want to follow up and show you the primary documents that actually lead us to that point. The use of paid inclusion is clearly and conspicuously explained and disclosed. What is an ad? And no affirmative statement is made that might mislead consumers as to the basis on which a search result is generated. Again, so that you aren't confused that these are actually organic. So it has to be disclosed. You're not confused about what's happening when Google search does its magic and that the advertisement paid inclusion is conspicuously explained uh, somewhere. And I'm not sure they've ever done that terribly well. I can't think of a time when they linked to something that explained how Google ads worked. But I think we can all intuit how that advertisement has worked in Google. And so I'm not sure that's as important as the first and third bullets. To the extent that search engine companies provide search results to third-party websites, including other search engines or guides, we're encouraging the companies to discuss with the third-party websites whether the above criteria are being met. So you have to work with your partners when those appear in other places. And this is kind of mirrored in what advertisers need to worry about when they're advertising on Google. The Federal Trade Commission takes a lighter approach to advertisers that kind of go out into the wild with these various things, whether that's to age of the influencer type groups and to the Googles of the world. But it is not an approach that is entirely uh, absolving of any responsibility that the advertisers might have. If they become aware of a situation where their ads are necessarily deceptive just by the way that the system works, then as you saw in the previous kind of dot-com disclosures document, the Federal Trade Commission takes the position that you are responsible for not using a service that has every advertisement on that service come out deceptive. And again, this is 2002. You might be saying, okay, that's a long time ago. Has anything changed? And the answer to that is yes, things have changed. If you remember in the Verge article that we read, one of the things that they pointed out was that Google changed their background colors on their advertisements in 2013. As it turns out, the Federal Trade Commission probably responding to that, and this is speculative on my part, but in 2013 sent out letters to the various search engines doubling down on the 2002 guidance and adding a few things. Now, I didn't reproduce the letter here. You can actually find it in this link if you want to check it out, but it was, it was well summarized in this article. So it says, according to both the FTC staff's original search engine guidance and this updated guidance, failing to clearly and prominently distinguish advertising from natural search results could be a deceptive practice. They don't commit to these things. If this, if this is your first time in virtual legality, you should note Federal Trade Commission blog posts and guidance and other kind of materials that you see, they don't like to commit to things. They like to reserve the right to go either direction in the future. That's not unusual. That's not unique to the Federal Trade Commission. But when you see it say, could be a deceptive practice, the best way to read that for your future behavioral choices is, we will think it is a deceptive practice unless some other facts and circumstances pop up that would make us believe otherwise. The updated guidance emphasizes the need for visual cues, labels, or other techniques to effectively distinguish advertisements in order to avoid misleading consumers and makes recommendations for ensuring that disclosures commonly used to identify advertising are noticeable and understandable to, to the consumers. The letters note that the principles of the original guidance still apply even as search and the business of search continue to evolve. The letters observe that social media, mobile apps, voice assistance on mobile devices, and specialized search results that are integrated into general search results offer consumers new ways of getting information. The guidance advises that regardless of the precise form that search takes now or in the future, 
paid search results and other forms of advertising should be clearly distinguishable from natural search results. In other words, they're trying to cover the field. Now that you can talk to Alexa, now that you can talk to a virtual assistant, all these various other things that you can do, the Federal Trade Commission is trying to say, hey, we have a broad ambit of authority to say you can't have deceptive or unfair practices in your advertising. So you all have to figure out what that looks like when you're talking to Alexa, when you're talking to your virtual assistant, when it's appearing on X, Y, or Z screen that we can't even anticipate in 2013. It all still applies. And the important part from this guidance, and it makes sense if you're just thinking about it outside of Google or this particular issue here in 2020, is that you need to have visual cues, labels, and other techniques that separate your ads from your organic search results because to do otherwise is to deceive your consumer base. And as that Verge article said, it seems to be the case that more people are clicking on ads, presumably accidentally, because there's no other reason to suggest that. But if they are clicking on those ads accidentally, then I think it almost solves for itself that the practice that Google is currently undertaking is likely to be considered deceptive by the Federal Trade Commission. You say, okay, well, that's a problem for Google, Rick, but how is that a problem for me? The video talks about why advertisers should be concerned. And we don't actually have a lot of good guidance that points this stuff directly at advertisers, the people that are using this. We have that final paragraph in the overview to the dot-com disclosures guidance document. That's useful. That is a place where the Federal Trade Commission actually plants its flag in the ground and says, hey, we understand that that tech giant that you might want to use could do this wrong. If you look at it and think they are doing it wrongly, you can't use that service. And I think the Federal Trade Commission makes its point there, but it also makes its point by analog here as we look at the endorsement guides. This is a document we've looked at before in virtual legality in respect of influencers. So this entire endorsement guide is really focused on the concept that you have gone out to an influencer on Twitch uh, or on YouTube or elsewhere and have given them access to your video game or your drug or whatever it is that you might be uh, trying to sell. And you have had them say something about it, uh, that they've used it, that they liked it, et cetera, et cetera. And this is requiring them to put a hashtag advertisement, hashtag sponsored, whatever it might be. But what I wanted to talk about is, by analogy, the responsibility of the advertisers to kind of control that network. So it says, what are an advertiser's responsibilities for what others say in social media? Again, not a perfect metaphor for what's happening here, but I think a useful one for how the Federal Trade Commission is likely to think about this issue. Our company uses a network of bloggers and other social media influencers to promote our products. We understand we're responsible for monitoring our network. What kind of monitoring program do we need? Will we be liable if someone in our network says something false about our product or fails to make a disclosure? Here's their answer. Advertisers need to have reasonable programs in place to train and monitor members of their network. The scope of the program depends on the risk that deceptive practices by network participants could cause consumer harm, either physical injury or financial loss. So again, we've talked about this before as well, but the Federal Trade Commission is primarily focused on deceptive ads of things like pharmaceutical products, things that can kill you if the uh, ads are deceptive, probably professional services, things like doctors and lawyers and things of that nature. But it says here at the bottom, our company's social media program is run by our public relations firm. We tell them to make sure that they comply. Is that good enough? It says your company is ultimately responsible for what others do on your behalf. Federal Trade Commission takes a broad understanding of this. You're the advertiser. You want Google to be following the Federal Trade Commission rules. But if they aren't, and if it becomes known to you in places like 
The Verge, and other national publications where the Federal Trade Commission can assume that if you're advertising on there, you know how it is being advertised. If they want to come after you, and I'm not saying this is very likely because Google is the one most responsible for this formatting change, but if they wanted to come after you, you might conceivably have an issue. So I do think that advertisers that currently advertise on Google search need to be following this story, need to be considering whether or not this rises to the level of deception in their minds, in their consideration. And certainly for folks that are in professional services, like perhaps the practice of law, it becomes an even more complicated question. I've pulled up right now the Michigan Rules of Professional Conduct. This is the ethics rules that govern how lawyers are to behave in Michigan. And there's a whole bunch of these. Maybe sometime I'll do a video where we just talk about lawyers and ethics rules if any of you are interested. But for right now, I wanted to point out the following. Here's the broad-based rules, Rule 7.1 in Michigan. A lawyer may, on the lawyer's own behalf, on behalf of a partner or associate, or on behalf of any other lawyer affiliated with the lawyer or the lawyer's law firm, use or participate in the use of any form of public communication. Great. So long it is that it is not false, fraudulent, misleading, or deceptive. So again, I said at the start of this video, I currently advertise on Google search. It's going to be something that I have to examine myself on this. Is it deceptive to be advertising on Google search just by the very nature of the formatting and what they have presented out in the world? I will be looking to see if any other bar associations, Michigan most prominently, but any other bar associations across the country actually dive into this question, start talking about it. Uh, and I might try to solicit some of those comments to see what people are thinking about it on Twitter uh, as a follow-up to this video. It is something of a concern to me specifically because of these kinds of ethical requirements. I think it should be a concern to any other kind of professional service provider that does have outward-facing ethical requirements. We don't want to be deceptive. Hoglaw doesn't want to be deceptive. I never want to deceive anybody on this. Uh, I was advertising on Google search because it made sense to, uh, because people go and they find professional services now through those types of search engines. Uh, but certainly based on this formatting change, it's going to be something that I have to evaluate uh, going forward. And I think it's something that a lot of advertisers are going to have to evaluate going forward, particularly you know, if they're billionaires and they're huge companies and they don't want to find themselves in the Federal Trade Commission's crosshairs. I think it's something that they're going to have to consider uh, both now and in the future. That's been Virtual Legality for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Please like, please subscribe if you enjoyed this video. We're talking about these kinds of things, the business and law of the internet, software, pop culture, video games, movies, and everything else uh, on this channel. So please tell your friends, let anybody know that might be interested that this is, uh, this is here uh, and that we've, uh, we've enjoyed some good growth and that we like having these conversations in the comments to our videos about what you like and what you don't like uh, about what output we are having. Uh, otherwise, if you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it in its podcast form, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.